Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SideRetiredPod in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporty events to concerts, including Major League Baseball and Taylor Swift. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Hello and welcome to this instant reaction edition of Side Retired, the only podcast. It's Dylan Campione, Nico Fernandez, Henry Kalani, and David Halpert here, as always, breaking down what just happened in today in baseball. And we've got game three of the World Series in the books. The Texas Rangers have a two games to one lead, as well as we'll wrap things up later with a couple of managerial carousel moves that might be on the way real soon. But let's talk about this game. Max Scherzer started, and I'll admit, he actually looked good. I didn't expect him to. Pitched three really solid innings, and then the injury bug reared its ugly head again, and Max Scherzer left the game. But the Rangers held down, got a victory in this game. Nico, I'll come to you first. Your thoughts on today's ball game? I mean, yeah. Um, I expected Scherzer to bounce back. That's what I said last episode. <clears throat> Obviously, only went three innings. That's what we hate to see. Again, going to be big for the next series, uh, for the next couple games. Bigger thing in my eyes is Adolis Garcia going down at the end of the game in the eighth inning hopefully it's nothing but again twitter's been having mixed reviews a lot of people saying it's nothing some guys saying looks like it may be something for a series at the end of the day we don't know but again good win for the rangers heaney has to start tomorrow a little bit suspect but all in all it's always good to go up to one i think whoever wins game three wins like 70 yeah 70 percent of the time so uh, you gotta win this one Henry, your thoughts as well as the matchup, I will confirm Jeff Passon is saying it is Joe Mantiply in a bullpen game for the Diamondbacks. And then Andrew Heaney, because John Gray was supposed to start, but he had to obviously take over once Scherzer left the game early. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's an interesting situation, right? Because I as a Yankees fan, I've had experience with the Heen dog, right? <laughs> like, and he's he's been okay for Texas, but not anything spectacular. However, it's really just a battle of attrition for this Arizona bullpen, who's been really good. Again, they didn't give up any runs. Um, even guys like Andrew Southrank, who, who struggled a little bit, um, came in and gave a good performance. Nothing really more you could ask for. So it's really about how far you're going to be able to stretch some of these guys like Mantiply. Like if Mantiply can give you two and a third, you're you're sitting you're sitting pretty. And you're getting more than what what you were expecting. So it's really going to be about how long you can stretch these guys without running yourself into some trouble. And I'll say Brandon Fat as well. I know probably his worst start of the postseason, which is saying a lot when five and a third of three runs is your worst start. Um, he'll be back out there, I believe, probably if there is a game seven, that would be when he lines up next. But David, your thoughts on the game? A nice win for the Texas Rangers. They got three runs in the third off of Corey Seager, another bomb, potentially the best shortstop in baseball if you want to listen to that debate. That happened on last night's episode, but David, your thoughts on game three? Uh, this was a big game for both sides because, of course, the Diamondbacks had the home advantage, but in the end, the Texas Rangers had the run, the more runs, and despite Scherzer going down, they're, the pitchers that came in did an excellent job, and in the end, Arizona had their chances at the end, but Texas came through with some clutch pitching. 
So nothing but a great job by the bullpen. And then let's talk about game four. We've now got an interesting matchup. Nico, who you got? Let's give our bold predictions for the game. I got the Diamondbacks coming out of this one. I'm going to be honest. I do not trust Heaney. So I think we've all been – last couple of games, again, Cattell has been keeping his hit streak going. It's beginning like the last couple of games, just one hit, really like quiet. I think he goes and he extends his hit streak in a big way this game. I think he's going to have a nice matchup facing facing the lefty in Heaney, who I don't think is that good. I think he's going to get shelled. I think Cattell has a big game. I'm going to be honest. I think it's a comfortable one for the D-backs here, and they tie it up. Henry. I really want to see Christian Walker succeed here. He had a tough play at the plate. You can argue whose fault it was, whether the coach put the stop sign up too late and he wasn't looking anymore. Regardless, he – he was one of the best producers for for this team all year, and he's really struggled in the playoffs. I think that he's going to come up huge with a big hit, and the Diamondbacks are going to take him for. David. Hmm. This is a tough one, but even with the home advantage and the tough blows of the recent injuries the Rangers have, and even though the Diamondbacks still have the home advantage for this game four, I just don't know if Mantha Ply is ready for the Texas offense that is still healthy. So I'm going to take Texas in this one, pulling off a game four huge win. I like it. Our analysis from James Cassidy, who's not with us tonight, is that the Diamondbacks will win. So I'm going to keep saying it until they either win or the Texas Rangers lose. So um. Also talking about Scherzer. <laughs> he also, Max Scherzer, according to James Cassidy, carried the team on his back and that's what happened and why Max Scherzer had to leave the game early. So there's our hard hitting analysis from James Taussig on the night. I will go with the Diamondbacks. He's oh so consistent. He is very consistent. Um, Shout out though, Tommy Pham, who continues to rake this series, like I said he would. And if the Diamondbacks were to come back and win, there's your World Series MVP. But obviously Rangers in the driver's seat and Corey Seager again, cementing himself as the best shortstop in baseball. But Unless there's anything else you guys want to discuss World Series, we'll be back again tomorrow night discussing game four of the World Series. But we do have some managerial moves we'd like to be talking about. And while there's nothing official just yet, Craig Council had his first interview of the postseason or of the offseason. He is interviewed with the Cleveland Guardians for their manager position. Uh, He will interview with the Mets likely later this week. And of course, the Brewers, he is still being told that that's not an open competition. If Council would like to return, the Brewers would love to have him back. He's reportedly wants to reset the managerial market, which means that he's looking to get around what Joe Torre received during the dynasty Yankees of $8 million. Last year, the highest paid manager was Terry Francona of the Cleveland Guardians at $4.5 million. Bob Melvin and Bruce Bochy are both making around four. Buck Showalter, the Mets was around 3.75, and those were your top managerial guys last year. So Council wants to probably get at least five, six, if not pushing that $8 million that um, we are getting into from the Joe Torre era. So who wants to go first on A, does Craig Council manage next year? I assume that's a yes at this point. And B, where is he managing next year? I mean, if he's uh, if he's already looking at interviews and we're not even done with the, um, with the postseason, I think he's got to be coaching next year. I think it's almost a foregone conclusion, especially that he's taken already an interview. I'm going to be honest, I don't think he gets to Joe Torre. I think the only way he goes to Joe Torre is if, to Joe Torre's $8 million is if he signs with the Mets because the Mets will overspend. <laughs> um, 
I think he may get a, a pay bump, but I think going from four and a half million with Francona to eight for a guy who, again, everyone thinks he's a great coach, top three coach in the league. A, a lot of guys will argue one. I'd probably agree. He's not won a championship. And I think that's the big thing. Again, with Joe Torre, a million, but you saw what Joe Torre did. Obviously he has the dynasty with the Yankees. It's hard to give a guy 8 million when he doesn't have a, even a world series appearance on his resume. It's hard to give a guy a million that I see him getting more, in my opinion, going to clear out the highest paid, probably get like a $6 million contract, five and a half. I don't see him getting to eight though. You avoided the question of where he's managing on it. I don't know, bro. He sticks with the Brewers. Henry. I want to see him on the Mets. (laughs) Henry. I mean, I don't know. It feels like maybe the answer to the Guardian struggles isn't, a good manager maybe it's signing some more good players and maybe it's not maybe making your manager the highest paid manager in the league isn't necessarily the best thing when you refuse to pay your players uh-huh. so that's that's just a thought for you cleveland fellows out there um no. i think that i think that council will probably i don't think he'll hit eight million i think he'll get an absolute bag though and as much as i hate to say it, i think it'll be with the mets um, Burns isn't coming though. Mm-hmm. For reference, if the Guardians decided to pay Craig Council eight million dollars, he would have been the third highest paid person in the Indians slash Guardians organization. That's disgusting. <laughs> Only behind Jose Ramirez and Shane Beaver, and uh, the next highest is Cal Quantrill at five and a half million dollars. So that would have been what happened in Cleveland if they actually went through with that. Uh, Josh Bell was also paid eleven million dollars in retained salary. So, but yeah, that that would have happened if Craig Council signed with the Guardians. But David, your thoughts on where's Council going? Um, I think he needs to understand that uh, even though he wants to make around what Joe Torre made back that many years ago, like this day in baseball, not that common. Absolutely not that common. It's going to be like he has to be really getting into the World Series, getting them rings. Uh, I I think Cleveland might be the team that needs an upgrade on the manager, of course, with Terry Francona retiring. So uh, I don't think he gets the bag he wants, but maybe like a little like the average of what Cleveland's willing to pay him. He's going to manage Cleveland. I will go with I think he sticks in Milwaukee just because he's got family roots there. His dad was a coach in their organization. He's been there for nine straight years. And it'll be interesting to see where the Mets pivot because the Mets apparently have not started their search for a manager yet because they've been waiting on Craig Council. Jesus Christ. I know. That's just not how you run a business. They're they're rumoredly interested. I believe it's the Blue Jays first base coach. Maybe it's the Cubs first base coach that they want to interview him if David Stearns doesn't get – or not if – if um, Craig Council, yeah, forgot his name. If Craig Council doesn't get the job, but they're literally just waiting around, seeing what happens with Craig Council, and then they're going to go from there. But uh, Mets are going to met. But that's enough on the New York Mets, unless there's anything else you guys want to throw in. Um, I, I just have to agree. I think there's a really good chance that we see a scenario where the Brewers see the value in him, and yep. they're like, we overperform because he's on our team. And losing him will be 
just as I think he on the Brewers has the most impact of him on any team and any coach on any team. So I think if the Brewers realize that, I think they'll shell out and I think they'll match or be a little bit under what the Mets will give. Just so I think Craig Council at, at the end of the day wants to be valued. And I think if he gets that value, I think that he stays with Milwaukee. I can't wait for Gabe Kaplan to be the manager of the New York Mets because that's where this seems like it's going. He's but... going to get eaten alive. <laughs> There's going to be like the the people of Long Island will actually kill Gabe Kapler if he signs with the <laughs> And then another job that is apparently getting more candidates by the day is the Los Angeles Angels, who announced a couple people that they are potentially interested. That includes Tory Hunter's now a front runner, Tim Salmon, another former player, is a candidate, as well as Buck Showalter is apparently vying to get an interview, and then Ron Washington is potentially interested. Darren Erstad and former Red Sox coach Ron Renicky. So it seems like they are casting a very wide net. Ray Montgomery, their bench coach, is going to get an interview as well as Gabe Kapler, uh, Joe Espada, Walt Weiss. So there's a mixture of former coaches, current coaches, and people who have literally just been cool angels in the past now might be interested in getting a managerial job such as Tory Hunter. So where are the angels going slash what are the Angels doing? Because something's not right with this team and this organization, to put it bluntly. Yeah, I have to agree. I think right now, if I'm the Angels, I think you have to evaluate. I think you have to accept you're not getting Otani. So the two big questions are what's happening with Trout and what's happening with your manager spot. And I think the route you have to go is even if you keep Trout or trade him, we don't know what's going to happen. I think you have to get a young guy. I think Torrey Hunter fits that mold. I think you got to get someone that's going to grow with the team, kind of like a Brandon Hyde situation where you go and you understand that you're not going to be playing well. You just put faith in him. And when you're able to build the team, they've done this weird thing, which I think is low-key working extremely well, of getting guys who are older in college MLB ready and rushing them to the big leagues because they've been raking like Nolan Chanuel, Zach Neto, um, Ben Joyce. They've been doing it. I don't think that formula is bad. I think obviously if they can get some high-end picks to kind of be like the stars in their lineup, I think that'll really benefit them. But I think the strategy, I like the Torrey Hunter idea from the standpoint of get a guy that you understand that for the next couple of years, you're you're not going to be relevant. It's going to be you and the A's battling for fifth place in the AOS. It's that simple. So the thing you have to do is just build a team and have a manager that's going with the team. And here's the thing. He can make mistakes because his mistakes or his good decisions, angels are still going to lose. So you can have him make mistakes and have bumps in the road because no one's going to notice because you guys are going to suck. So if you want to get Tory Hunter, now's the time. Henry. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there. this team doesn't make sense. You put it perfectly. I just don't understand where, where they're going i definitely agree with the sentiment of now is the time to blow it up right i think i think if you get if you get a package for trout you have to consider it um and and i don't and i'm not exactly sure what that looks like given the age and the injury history but at this point they tried to compete they competed for two weeks and then it was over so it's it will yeah. either you you hire a young manager now. I think Nico hit hit the nail on the head. Hire a young manager now. There will be growing pains, but you're at least you at least have a direction right now. This is a directionless team who will 
who's the epitome of third place. I think I'm going to go the exact opposite route of you guys in that throughout his managerial career, every time Buck Showalter goes to a team, he helps in that transformative phase, and then he leaves. Like the match transforming from a good team to a bad team? True. But in all his previous stops, we had he was in the New York Yankees system. He managed them in the mid-1990s. And then we know he left and Joe Torrey took off and won four consecutive or four World Series in five years. He was in Texas in 2007, 2008, 2009. He left. Ron Washington took over and the Rangers made back-to-back World Series. He managed the Baltimore Orioles. And they made the playoffs a couple of times, but they were kind of in a low when he left at around 67 wins. Brandon Hyde takes over. And what do you know? Now they're a first place dominant team. He was after he managed the New York Yankees. He went to the Arizona Diamondbacks and managed the team in 1999 and 2000. He left. And what do you know? The very next year in 2001, Henry, you remember this World Series very well. The Diamondbacks defeated the New York Yankees. I wasn't born. Showalter goes other than the Mets. He was a great team that's at the very bottom, and he brings them right to the cusp of contending. That sounds like he's the problem, Dylan. No, it sounds like he's a good <laughs> that's a, that's a, That sounds like he's the one stopping them from succeeding. <laughs> no, but it sounds like he's the guy that, like, he's the old school. He teaches the young players the fundamentals, but he's not the guy to get them over the hump. So I could see this as a scenario where Buck Showalter comes in, he manages and teaches Nolan Shanuel and Zach Neto, and all the other guys that are young and and he molds them into very good fundamental baseball players. Three years from now, when he's 70 years old, he retires, and the person who's been bench coach under him, who's been learning, all of a sudden takes over, and he's the guy that brings them to the promised land. I think, because Buck says he wants to still manage, this isn't a bad fit. I hate it. Because my whole thing is, (laughs) this is my thing with the Angels, and this is why... Like, I'm going to be honest, it's it's a mystery. I'm gonna, the council one makes is a lot more cut dry. The Angels have this weird belief that if they sign enough bad contracts, <laughs> that they'll be one will work out. So, like, that's the thing. Like, I can easily see a world where, like, the highest paid contract is besides Otani is belly getting overpaid going to the Angels. And that just... <laughs> Like, and I'm not saying belly's bad, but like, that's just kind of, it's, it's just, that's the LAMO. That's their MO. They go, they overpay for someone. They don't perform rinse repeat. So as much as I want to say and have this optimism that they're going to understand that they can start developing guys and kind of phase trot out and possibly even trade them for a huge package. They're, I'm gonna, they're probably not going to do that. They're probably going to go and who else is on the free agent market? Give me some Nola. Yeah, they'll probably pay. Nola will probably be the highest paid starting pitcher <laughs> by the end of this. He's going to get more than Grom, AAV. Like, it's going to be absurd. They're probably going to sign Nola to that, and then he's going to suck. And it's not Nola's fault. It's the Angels' fault. <laughs> so what they have to do, if, if I'm the Angels, I accept that we're going to suck no matter who we sign and go that route. They're probably going to sign Buck Showalter. He's probably going to get $10 million <laughs> because, you know, screw Joe Torre. And then they're going to go, they're going to sign Aaron Nola to like 60 mil a year. They're going to get paid more than Otani. They're going to sign Belly to 30 million a year. And then we're going to look and be wow, this team still sucks and is in fourth place again because the A's are a softball team. These aren't going to be bad next year, but that's all right. We'll have our predictions later on. We'll have our offseason preview as well. But 
Uh, we got a lot of fun content on the way. We'll be back again tomorrow night, seeing what happened in game four and previewing game five. We have two cool interviews that we can officially announce for the rest of the week. We're going to be joined by the Wake and Rake podcast co-host, Danny Vietti. We're also going to be joined by ESPN and SNY's Danny Wexelman, talking about her experience in the baseball industry, and then a couple cool interviews coming up next week following the conclusion of the World Series. But for the four of us, fun baseball content on the way. Follow us on the Instagram, the Twitter, the LinkedIn now officially as well has been launched. The Twitter, the YouTube, the TikTok, at Side Retired Pod. So for Dylan, Nico, David, and Henry, until the next time, the side is retired. <laughs>